Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I like doing it. You know, I love running routes. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clipped that. Looking forward to facing your mom at some point. Last night at the bar we were at, I had some really bad cases. I've never had no bad cases, really. It's Thursday, August 18th, and we have a great show on tap for you today. I am thrilled to be joined by a guy who is not part of our weekly rotation, but we're always thrilled when we can book the great, the excellent, Frank Schwab. Frank, buddy, how's it going, man? How are you doing? I, I, I'm just trying to get into the rotation. You know, I'm like, I, I like well, the Dodgers seventh starter. Just throw it as hard as I can in a bullpen. Like, just give me a shot in the rotation. So we're going to we're gonna have to throw some heat today. That's okay. I'm, I'm ready for it because, man, this is such a fun time of year. I'm listening to you just about every day. My drafts are coming up. Football season's coming up. My bets. Like, everybody's excited now. All of our football teams are 0-0. Zero zero. All yeah. of our futures bets are winners. <laughs> All of It's great. It's nothing. There's no disappointment yet. I, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's the time of optimism. But I think this is also a good time for to bring in someone like yourself who's not fully, um, like, in a healthy way, not totally uh, obsessed with everything that's going on in the fantasy world at every single second. Um, like, But I am. That's the thing. I'm just, like, I'm just, like, doing it in the shadows. That's all, like, on my personal time. But that's good. Well, that is good, though. That, yeah, I yeah. think you can bring us a good perspective here. I wanted to kind of think about um, storylines that aren't necessarily under the radar, but, you know, they might even be, like, some bigger NFL topic points, but aren't getting – the same type of pub when you and Charles do you pod to win the game, which I listen to all the time. You know, you guys obviously hit on some of these talking points like the Patriots offense and, you know, some of the chiefs like transitioning and things like that, but we don't necessarily hit them every single time on the, on the fantasy pod because, you know, for one reason or another, it's just not all like into the projections and the dork level fantasy ADP type of stuff. So I wanted to kind of hit it on those, uh, those talking points today. And we'll get to that. We also are going to be previewing the Miami dolphins who this a, I, I struggle with this team a lot, so I'm, I'm hoping we can kick it around. Uh, but we also do have a few bit of news points to hit on today. So I'm excited about this show. But let's start with some news here. Pete Carroll says that running back Ken Walker, the rookie that they drafted in the second round, has a hernia issue that he's, quote, working on. A few other Seahawks notes. We know Rashad Penny's been a little banged up this offseason. Um, Drew Locke is missing his chance to start the preseason game, man, due to COVID. Like, this was kind of his moment to make up some ground in – the quarterback battle with Geno Smith. I've been pretty hard on the Seahawks, Frank, and this is already not a good start when they're, you know, two prized running backs. And then, I mean, Drew Locke's not like a prized asset or anything, but uh, not, not a great start here. The <laughs> no, Seahawks. no. <laughs> it really isn't. Uh, and you gotta love coach speak. Sometimes he has a hernia issue. He's working on. Well, Pete, what does that mean? What does Come that mean? On. Like that, that, that's not a, yeah, it's not my homework assignment. Like, no, <laughs> it, either he has it or he doesn't. I think, I think we do like, Look, the Seattle Seahawks are weird. They're weird every single year. They do things so unconventionally. And drafting a running back in the second round after Rashad Penny had the finish he had was strange. But now, you know, you look at the I'm not part of any of this offense. I don't want anything to do with it. Although so many times, and I'm sure you'd have to, in best balls, all of a sudden I'm looking at DK Metcalf at the top of the queue. Like, well, hmm, I almost can't pass. But running back-wise, I haven't drafted any of these guys. And I don't think I will. Just because... 
the the ambiguity is too much for me. Uh, Penny was really, really, really good at the end of last year, but I don't really want to pick between one of these guys because it's going to be a bad offense. They're not going to score a lot, and they just go in areas of the draft where I draft other guys. So this even pu- pushes me further down on Kenny Walker. And I mean, if it turns out he's going to miss some time, and this is a serious deal, maybe I push Rashad Penny back up because again, he was he's a league winner. We we throw that term around way too often. He was legit league winner last year. And so if he's got if he's got a path to 75% of the snaps all of a sudden, sure, I, I'll be back in on him. But right now, I'm with you. Just uh, none of the Seahawks. I don't want any part of this offense. Yeah, you said that DK Metcalf's constantly the guy at the top of your queue, uh, and you end up taking him. I do that with Tyler Lockett. I mean, all the time. Because he falls to yeah. like the... And new- I love Tyler Lockett. He's such... He's been such a, a guy I've drafted a million times. He's won me titles. I feel yes. like... I, I, I feel bad leaving him. You know, this is where I got to leave you, Tyler. I'm sorry. Can't... Our relationship's over. I got to uh, break up with him now. Because I just can't do it, man. I just can't... I can't take the number two receiver in this offense. I just can't. Maybe DK. I, I've I've hit the I've hit the button on DK a couple times, but not Tyler. I just... I, I think that, that this offense, at best, can support one good receiver, not two. Yeah, I'm I'm going down with the ship, Frank. I'm I've taken Tyler Lockett <laughs> in the ninth round a few times, and I you know I mean it's just like he's great value. The so. names, the names that are around there, it's just bizarre. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I need to let it go. But I think the point with the running backs here, we do this all the time. You know, we do so much pre-draft coverage because everybody loves the draft and um, you know, fantasy drafts, and 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 this is the time of year to everybody gets gassed up about fantasy, but. Just because you don't draft a guy doesn't mean you can't end up with him on your team. I'm like open to acquiring whether it is Rashad Penny or Ken Walker, even because I think Ken Walker is a really good runner. And I mean, Rashad Penny's a really good runner. There's just, like you said, so much ambiguity going into the season with these guys. And that makes it really tough to want to get on board with either. So I think if Ken Walker starts the season slow, you know, maybe he takes that job over in the second half of the year and becomes sort of like, I mean, people do this all the time, right? Like, they get in their heads about like Nick Chubb's rookie year is an example. I always come back to everybody drafted Nick Chubb and then ended up dropping him because Carlos Hyde ran as a starter for most of that year. And I could see this being a similar situation, although albeit on a really bad offensive ecosystem that I typically don't want the running back on. So I could see Ken Walker actually pulling a Rashad Penny and being, you know, sort of like a diet version of a league winner this year, but he is on teams that nobody drafted him on. He just picked him up off the waiver wire. Right. And it's, I it's not, the same position, but Amon Ross St. Brown last yes, year. Yes. We all kind of started with Amon Rod. He wasn't getting any run at all. And he cut him and he kept an eye on him. And all of a sudden, offense coordinator change. He gets you know, injuries around him, gets this huge target share. He becomes a, a dude down the stretch. Same thing that happened with Kenny Walker. I, I keep calling him Kenny. It's either Kenneth or Ken. I'm trying to give him <laughs> Kenny here. But I think Walker's a very, very good player. I think Penny's a very good player. Always injury prone, though. So that, that opens up a door for Walker if he could stay healthy himself. But again, the... I, you know, you want, do you really, like you said, you, you draft Ken Walker. That's great. You're waiting eight weeks. He's time sharing. Okay. All of a sudden he's, he's the guy. Well, he's the guy in a really bad offense. Yeah. Like I, I think we did like, I would, I'd much rather. And I think Tony Pollard is a, an example of guys going higher. AJ Dillon for sure. Going higher yeah. uh, of a guy who, okay, you are all of a sudden the guy in a very, very good offense. I'd rather take a shot on those guys than wait it out on Walker or Penny, to be honest. Yeah, 100% with you on on all those names there. Let's move on to this next one. I w- kind of wanted to pick your brain. This is not really news. This is you know sort of a, a beat writer opinion. But I wanted to pick your brain on it because you are embedded in Denver and, and, and you might have some insight on this. ESPN's Jeff Legwald writes that when Russell Wilson, quote, really needs a completion or has moved off his spot, he's going to look for Cortland Sutton. Frank, I have... This is another team that I've struggled with a little bit because I get the appeal of Russ Wilson coming to Denver. You know, Cortland Sutton had a great season in 2019. I don't think he played very well last year, but it was his first year coming off an ACL. Um, you, know, Jerry Judy was also banged up last year. Now they've lost Tim Patrick, who I think is like a glue guy type on offense. They have a, a running back duo that's going to go back and forth. I, I don't know. I just wanted to use this sort of as a springboard to, to see where you're at on the Broncos because I have admittedly struggled with them because I see the upside, but I can also see a scenario uh, where week six we're, we're looking at the Broncos and be like, this is it? I mean, this, this is the best we got? <laughs> I don't think so. It may be my 
Wisconsin homerism coming through here, but I just think <laughs> Russ is a superstar. Like Russ is going to carry everybody to career years. I, I really do believe, I don't think we're going to be in week six saying, oh my goodness, this is it. I think we're going to be saying Denver Broncos are really good on offense. I already, I wrote yesterday about Russell Wilson over 4,100 yards. That's an easy punch for me. I think he's going to have 4,500, 4,600. And the problem with Sutton, Sutton's clear, look, the drum beats there. You can't yeah. ignore it after a while. Sutton's yeah. the guy. Like Sutton will be Russ's guy. But every time I've been in a draft lately, uh, any best balls or anything, it's like, okay, I'm ready to draft Cortland. So, oh no, he just went five yeah. picks before. He just the the cost is just rise. Everybody knows Cortland Sutton by now is the guy. His cost is going out of control. So maybe that helps me to get more of Jerry Judy because you know there's always, usually there's a, a relationship there. One guy goes up, another guy dips a little bit. I, I could see myself getting more Jerry Judy just because of that because the price is more palatable. Yeah, and I think that Judy kind of needed the Tim Patrick injury to clear the runway because. There's a pretty big drop off now between the wide receiver three when it was Patrick to what it is now. I mean, I like KJ Hamler as a prospect, but he's certainly not as proven as Tim Patrick also coming off a pretty serious injury. And, you know, the rest of the guys on that that depth chart, it's like it's it's not great. Yeah, so. it gets thin in a hurry. Tim Patrick is a big loss. Like he's a huge. He, loss. You know, we always throw around underrated. Uh, Tim Patrick's legit underrated. He is uh-huh. a really good football player. So you're right. I, I mean, Tim Patrick out of the equation. Helps something a little bit, but you're, I, I agree with you completely. That it helps Jerry Judy way more. A lot of more targets being funneled to him. Yeah, you kind of have to pay the iron price with Cortland Sutton. Like you're, you're, uh, you're it is yeah. high now. Ooh, he's a helium guy. Like yeah, you know, we use that term a lot. He is a helium guy where you just he's always going a little bit, a little bit more than I'm willing to pull the trigger on. Yeah, like my rankings don't reflect it. Um, the way I've approached draft doesn't really reflect it but there's just a, a part in the back of my mind where i'm like I, I mean this i don't know i don't know with the with the whole Broncos situation so the seahawks if they were a little healthier i'd be like ah, eh, they'd be an interesting bet week one like you know just like i think this could be <laughs> there's a chance that russ comes in there and just you know lays waste uh yes, like the yeah, like the, like the orcs in two towers you know to the rohan kingdom i've just been my wife and i've been watching the extended versions of lord of the rings if you can't tell uh, so, <laughs> extended couple. version what the, it's like five hours already yeah dude. we're doing it in like chunks. extended version in, oh yeah Oof. yeah yeah we're doing it in that's like a, chunks a, so man. real couple of cool kids we are for sure <laughs> <laughs> um let's move on to the to the last thing here and again this is Sort of been in the talk in the in the zeitgeist recently, but I just wanted to hit on this because I think it's actually a good transition to our full topic today. The Giants are giving Tyrod Taylor starting reps now. Brian Dayball and the boys are 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 telling you this is not a, a big deal. We just want to see what he looks like in these situations. Frank, I mean, I've been in the bag for for Tyrod for years. You know, uh, shout out shout out to the to the Virginia Beach area. Uh, I'm, I'm in the bag for Tyrod for sure. Virginia Tech's finest. But these starting games for this team this year, and and I feel like in fantasy circles, we have been maybe just the the hardcore of the hardest core dorks have been kind of interested in the Giants offense because they're all cheap from an ADP perspective, except Saquon and even and he's kind of only just risen lately. But there's still a chance that this quarterback situation, especially if it's Daniel Jones, like just makes it impossible for anybody to really make an impact like I I just think there's a chance that Tyrod starts games for this team this year Uh, the one thing you know as a beat writer for a long time when you're out of practice every day look coaches lie to you all the time players lie to you GM sources everybody lies to you but the one thing they don't lie about is practice reps yeah you gotta put somebody out there who's with the first team and Brian Dayball could say this doesn't matter no it matters you're putting them with the first team it matters there's a reason you had a meeting where you said let's get Tyrod Taylor some starting snaps and there is a reason for yeah. that. It's not like, you know, it's not like Denver's doing that with Josh Johnson. Like, right. oh, I'm just getting them some reps today over Russell. No, that that doesn't happen. Like, there's a reason for it. And it scares me because, not because Daniel Jones is a big deal in a one-quarterback league, but he is a favorite of a lot of ours oh, yeah. in two-quarterback leagues or super flex. He's one of those, I can get Daniel Jones really, really late for cheap, and he's going to run, and he has that equity. Well, you also have the issue where he might lose his job at some point. And logically you'd like to think that the Giants would just see this through. Like we got to see what we have with Daniel Jones this year, but they've already you know, passed on a fifth year option is his deal. And maybe they don't feel that way. Maybe they just feel like Daniel Jones lost cause. Let's, let's see what Tyrod's got. If it's, if it starts off badly for the Giants, I think it will. I don't think the Giants are going to be very good this year. So yeah, if you're, if part of your two quarterback or super flex plan is Daniel Jones, at least pay, pay attention to this because there's a reason they're giving Tyrod some snaps. Yeah, it matters, like you said. And they don't start off with a super light schedule. They face the Titans in week one. 
Um, the Panthers in week two. I mean, I can probably win that yeah, game. Yeah. Uh, the Cowboys, the Bears, the Packers, the Ravens. Yeah, those, no, they, they do have some winnable games. They're the they Bears. Have, Oof, yeah, right. They they could beat the Panthers and the Bears, but I mean, I think the Titans will be favors, right. favorites over them. The Cowboys, the Packers, the Ravens. I mean, then they get the... And if you lose any one of those games, if you lose to the Bears, if you lose to the Panthers, all of a sudden it's like Brian Dayball's first year. He's like, ah, screw this. I'm not going out like with 15 this year yeah and i mean it seems like there is just a zero percent shot that they're gonna like i think it was a media talking point like even when you watch their preseason game how many times did you hear josh allen's name come up when it comes to like brian dayball doing that to to daniel jones it actually kind of sounds like they have no interest in doing that with daniel jones at all like they're not trying to to, to sell you on like a we're gonna remake daniel jones they're just going to ride it out this year and then move on and try to find his uh, Brian Dable's actual guy. You would think. think Again, we don't really care about Daniel Jones unless you're in a a super flex league, which by the way, in the Scott fishbowl, I did take Daniel Jones as my second quarterback. Uh, I have, uh, I have, it's very viable. If he lasts the whole season, he's going to put up numbers. I mean, just because of rushing. Exactly. And my third quarterback, almost same thing was Justin Fields. uh, And who I do have confidence will start the entire season. Oh yeah. And then at last round, you know, late round pick on Geno Smith, baby, because he's going to be making most of the starts. Oh, that had to hurt. It always hurts. I've been taking the guy, my, my break last in case of emergency third guys baker mayfield i'm like oh yeah okay i'm just throwing to dj Moore. i think robbie anderson's fine value c mac helps his quarterback blah 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 but it's still oh okay i'm drafting baker mayfield hmm. wow yeah. fun yeah what a, what a treat um and just last <laughs> one on this the only thing i'll say about this as well i think that this could actually be good for the giants pass catchers if daniel jones truly flops that they have a stable veteran I, again i'm i'm in the bag for tyrod but i think he's a pretty you good are quarterback. A he's, he's okay he's, he's a okay. he's like okay. i think he's a high-end backup right like there's yeah, high-end backup there, there could be worse if the daniel jones things flop daniel jones flops or he gets hurt again you know they're not going to like freaking mike glennon and jake Fromm like they were last year uh so that actually because we do care about Kadarius tony i think he could be a potential breakout guy we don't care about kenny gollett anymore like i don't even know what the, what the hell's going on with that but um yeah so i think it could be good news if they keep Tyrod around. But anyways, I think we use this as a transition to go into the main talking point, which is I, I wanted to hit on these NFL stories and topics that the fantasy community might not be talking enough about or might be honestly overthinking in some ways. And Frank, the subject, one of the biggest talking points of the entire NFL offseason was this wide receiver movement, you know, like at the top of the position. Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown. You know, those are three guys that change teams. And, you know, they're in my top 12 wide receivers. Like, that matters a lot. It wasn't so long ago, Frank, that, um, you know, we talked about as fantasy analysts, oh, you got to be careful about wide receivers changing teams. Like, the, the history of that's not good. Well, shoot, buddy, if you do, if you go by that philosophy this year, you're about to wipe out like half the draft board. <laughs> it's so true. And it's tough because. Yeah, I was with, you know, I was with you with I don't like receivers changing teams and the history wasn't good with it. And then Stefan Diggs happened and I was yeah. fading him and man, he was a he was a value that year. And I just missed on him completely because I was doing this. And like you said, you, you gotta make decisions on these guys. Now most of them I'm fading. I, I really am. Like, look, if Devontae Adams falls in my lap, sure. Tyreek Hill, I I guess. I don't think he fits to a, but he still he's falling to a point where I would draft him. AJ Brown, yeah. Like all the reports out of Philly are that he's getting eight billion targets this year so you got to at least pay attention to that but mostly i don't like it i, I just because a lot of these guys are downgrades look mm-hmm. Devonte adams obvious we know he's a downgrade tyreek hill yeah a little bit of a downgraded quarterback there yeah and even aj brown like Tannehill could get him the ball i, I jalen hurts is it's more of a running offense it's more of a the quarterback's not necessarily a great passer in the world so how does that affect him is he going to get the volume he needs so with a lot of these guys, you got to look at it case by case. And there's going to be a few guys where I'm like, okay, uh, he's changing teams, but it's still pretty advantageous of a situation. Amari Cooper's another. Like, Amari yeah. Cooper, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's almost dead to me now. Couldn't pay me to like, draft well, him you can't. at this point. Yeah, it's hard. It's like, I like Amari Cooper as a player, but in that situation, no. But there could be other situations where you're like, all right, I, I could get on board with this because there actually is an upgrade situation possible here. But mostly, yeah, I'm just not feeling most of these guys who change teams. Like, everybody comes with a cost. I hate people who say, I won't draft somebody. Like, yeah. yeah, you would. Like, at some point, like, even if you hate Amari Cooper, if you're sitting there in 16th round for it, I'll take like, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah exactly. right. So there's always a cost then for any relevant fantasy player, but most of the guys at their cost, a realistic cost, I, I'm pretty much fading on the changes. 
I think that's the the problem that there has been so much wide receiver movement that it's sort of hard to push these team change guys down because again you're going to wipe out half they the draft board. I, I I look Alan, but but here's a good example of got Allen Robinson. We're a, we're both love Allen Robinson. Yes. I yes because it's a a million times better situation. So I think you got to take them all case by case and you can't just have look blanket statements in any strategy in life much less fantasy are bad. So I won't draft a guy who changed that don't no don't do that. But be a little more picky. Then with Allen Robinson comes along, you're like, yeah, I'm gonna ignore, I'm gonna ignore all the uh, guys who changed teams that didn't work out because I think Allen Robinson's gonna work out really well. Yeah, I think that's kind of where I landed on this. Um, I just, I just filed the wide receiver preview for the for the fantasy site, and 19 of the top 40 guys in Yahoo ADP and at the wide receiver position will be playing with a different quarterback this season. Some of them are because wow. they changed teams. That's crazy. Yeah, and some of them it's like, I mean. Yeah, I count, DK Metcalf or well, Portland, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I playing count, with different QB, yeah. Exactly. And I mean, for some of the guys too, like I counted Debo Samuel and, and Brandon Ayuk because they mostly played with Jimmy Garoppolo and now Trey Lance, who they have some familiarity with is getting in the mix. Michael Thomas also, um, it's a, it, it's obviously not different from last year because he didn't play, but he's never played with Jameis Winston before. So mostly unfamiliar quarterback situations. And, and you know, there's some guys like, I could have counted it and, and didn't. Um, so it's it's crazy just that that amount of turnover. So I'm with you though that the tie break for me, like you said, everybody's got a, everybody's got a cost. And at some point, um, if Devonte Adams is there for you in the second round, I'm I'm fine with doing that. Although I have him below guys like C.D. Lamb and Mike Evans. But the tie break for me has been guys that are in verifiably good offensive ecosystems. And I think Frank that this year. It's always true at the wide receiver position more than running back, which we know is opportunity driven. I think player talent at wide receiver matters more than ever this year because you can't just outright fade these guys that are, are playing with different quarterbacks because there's too many of them. Right, right. And I think when you said that, A.J. Brown did come to mind. Like, yeah. Do I love that situation? No, but he's so good. And, you know, of course, too, you have to look into I, I'm a big believer in follow the money. If you've paid a dude, if you have if you have sent a first round pick, and I think it was a fourth, and then paid AJ Brown $100 million over four years, you want to look smart. Yeah. Period. You do. Like they're not going to get him 60 catches this year. They want to look smart. They want to look like we made the right move. Here's AJ Brown in his 110 catch season finally that the Titans couldn't get him. So I do follow the money a lot of times. And when, when dudes get paid or when you when teams give up a lot to get a guy, that speaks to me because, again, they, they don't look stupid at the end of the day. The Miami Dolphins, and I, we're going to talk about them later, and I'll get into this, but Miami Dolphins don't want Tyreek Hill to die on the vine. They just yeah. gave a, a ton of picks. They don't want anybody at the end. It's human nature. You don't want anybody at the end of the year saying, oh, my God, look at all the picks they gave up for Tyreek Hill, and he had 900 yards. Like that, That's just not going to happen because these teams don't want to look like that. Yeah, 100%. I think a guy like Allen Robinson is obvious in terms of they paid him a, d a good bit of change. And yeah, the Rams they believe in him. And that's a smart team. Yes. Smart team. They that's another, I think that's another factor here. Is, yeah. Is it going to a smart team or a dumb team? Tyreek, unfortunately, is going to a dumb team. The <laughs> Miami Dolphins have been terrible forever. We are going to talk about them. But the, the Los when the Los Angeles Rams are like Allen Robinson, we know why he didn't have, he was on a milk carton all last year. We know why. We could fix it. I, I'm like, okay, I, I trust you, Sean. I trust you, Sean McVay. You're going to fix this guy, and he's going to have a really good year. Yeah, it sounds like the Rams coaching staff does not care at all what happened with Allen Robinson last year and that they think very, very little of, of the Bears' yeah. offensive mm -hmm. scheme, which we've watched the Bears. We can agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think, yeah. I think A.J. Brown's an interesting one because we know the Rams are a very – good ecosystem we know that they just nail these receiver evaluations from a pro perspective they have like the two two atwell guys thrown in there in the draft but like the the pro level receivers they almost always nail those evaluations and so we know that's a good ecosystem he's an easy one um i think the guy we're going to talk about um in a little bit juju smith schuster that's another example of like a good ecosystem and the eagles like i kind of think they might be a good ecosystem and aj brown sure does check the talent uh, box as well I've gone back and forth like swung so many times about AJ Brown this year like whether I want to have him closer to you know the do not draft sort of range because the targets might not be there but I think I'm going to settle with him as my wide receiver 12 and feel pretty good about that where, uh, where are you where, where are you at I think I'm in the mid-teens with him just mm -hmm. because I haven't bumped him up but I need to because everything out of Philly is 
he's just getting the ball all the time. They're, yeah. <laughs> they're going to feature him so much. And I don't think Nick Sirianni wants to play the running game he played last year. I don't think so. It was, a, it was a plus for me that Nick Sirianni looked at midseason or whenever it was, week six, seven, whenever it was, and said, this is the guys we got. I'm not going to force my system on them anymore. I'm going to build a good offense based on what we have, which was a great offensive line, a running quarterback, and some pretty good running backs. And he did that. And to me, that's a sign of a really good coach. But I think coming into this year, he's like, I don't want to play that way. We have A.J. Brown. Jalen Hurts looked awesome in the first preseason game. Whatever you want to think yeah. about what that means, I don't care. He looked awesome in that first preseason game. I think Sirianni wants to come out saying, I want to play this way. Maybe we'll adjust later like we did last year. But I want to play the way I want to play. And that that means a lot more passing. And that, that probably is going to mean a lot of targets for A.J. Brown. Yeah, I talked to Devontae Smith about it a couple weeks ago, and he said something similar that we might start out the season being one way and then revert back to something else or go like we we that's very possible because we've already seen them do it. Uh, so I think that's a that's a possibility there. And oh man, AJ Brown's just so good, so good at football. He's um, so good. <laughs> let's move on to this uh, one. And you wanted to hit on this, and I'm I'm being a little generous with the way I put it on the outline here, but uh, you were talking about. Sometimes the overreaction to preseason hype can be something that we get way into in fantasy football uh, circles. We overreact to what we see in the preseason. Now, I think it's important to react because, uh, the like you said, you said this perfectly, Frank. The people out there are like, oh, preseason playing time doesn't matter. I mean, bro, have you ever played a sport before? Like, there is a first team and there's a second team and a third team. And when guys go out there with the first team, that means something. When they go out there with the second team, that means something too. And I mean, it doesn't mean it's going to be that way forever, but it means something. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I've been but, saying that all week with the Pittsburgh quarterbacks. I've been saying, look, you can be excited all you want about Kenny Pickett, but there's a reason Mason Rudolph is second in the game. They, yeah. they, let's not let's not eliminate him from the competition. I don't like Mason Rudolph. I don't think he's very good. But no, I don't. Mike Tomlin, Mike Tomlin thinks he's the second best quarterback at this moment going in that first preseason game. Yeah, and of course that can change, right? Like if Kenny Pickett, yep. and listen, we want Kenny Pickett, and he's gotten some first team run yeah. this week after that preseason performance because he was pretty good in the preseason. So we want him to be, I think we want to do the starter sooner than later. We don't need to be messing around with Mitch too much. Sure, don't need to be messing around with Mason Rudolph uh, at all. But um, I want to talk about the Patriots offense specifically because it it was about as much of a clown show, not from an on-field perspective, but, you know, Who's calling plays at what time of the game? You know, you got Matt, Patricia, and Joe Judge on the sideline together. But you know what? Frankly, there's a part of me that thinks because it's Bill Belichick and because it's the Patriots, and I, I know that's kind of like, uh, you know, uh, crutch analysis, but what if this works? Because I still, I don't know about you, I still believe in Mac Jones and like I'm watching Jacoby Myers right now, um, you know, charting his routes and stuff like that. And I think he's still a pretty good player. And I think they have pretty good, like pretty good players from a pass catching standpoint. Um, so where are you at with this Patriots offense after what we've seen in preseason and obviously the extremely <laughs> weird headlines uh, all throughout training camp? The, you know, I write obviously his team previews every summer and I've done it for 10 years and I'm to the point where I just treat the new England Patriots differently than everybody else. There's any others headlines that uh, would affect different teams, whether it's weirdness in the coaching staff or losing personnel guys. It just doesn't affect the New England Patriots. And that's because Bill Belichick's the greatest coach of all time. He is. Right. I'm sorry. I know people are, you know, oh my God, I hate the Patriots. Well, that's fine. <laughs> Bill Belichick is genius. He is. And it works out for the Patriots better than everybody else. So do I do I sit here and say, oh, I really, I, I think Matt Patricia is going to be fine as an offensive coordinator. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think that logically. But I also know time after time, this works out for the New England Patriots. And everybody's freaking out about those camp reports about how I can't block anybody. How many times, Matt, how many times have we gone through an NFL season where we're even like mid-October, like, oh, this is it. Patriots are done. They're screwed. And then they just figure it out and win the rest of the season. When I did my rankings, the two teams I got the most grief about were the, have the Cowboys too high, had them five, and oh, I had wow. the Patriots at nine. Yeah, yeah, we can get it. But the Patriots at nine. And it's you know why? It's because I looked at what they did last year and I didn't, I don't overrate what you do in the playoffs. Like, yes, the Patriots got blown out by the Bills last year. You know what else? They were a top 10 team all season. They led the AFC East over the Bills after that big win yeah. game where the Patriots ran 38 straight times. The Patriots were a good football team last year. Now, Josh McDowell is a great offense coordinator. I get that. But let's not, let's not completely throw out the Patriots just because you hate the Patriots. And because there's been a weirdness, they always figure it out. They're a really good team last year. They had a top 10 DVOA offense last year with a rookie quarterback who's going to get better. They added Devontae Parker, who is a, a pretty good receiver. I know they lost some stuff on the line and all that, but they still have two really good running backs. And if you can figure out that running back situation, 
you could profit on their ADP. Oh, yeah. And receivers, like you said, Myers is a good player who's due for some t- positive touchdown regression. Devontae Parker, when they, when the Patriots go get a guy, especially a guy from the division, I, I, I listen because Bill Belichick knows what he's doing generally. Maybe not a receiver all the time, but it trades sure. is a little bit better. And Hunter Henry's a viable tight end. I mean, so if you're just like, oh, the Patriots offense is going to be awful this year, I'm fading them all. I think that's wrong. And I think you could pivot off that and find some good value with that offense. And I think Mac Jones might be pretty good, you know? And I that- do too. Why have we completely, we have completely disregarded that possibility all off season that maybe Mac Jones, who came in and was by far the best rookie quarterback last year. Number oh, yeah. two is Davis Mills. Whoever was three was far, oh, far behind them. <laughs> why, why can't we just say maybe Mac Jones, who played at a really good program in Alabama and was really good there, and the Patriots, who are very good, apparently, at finding guys without the greatest physical attributes of quarterback and turning them into stars, maybe Mac Jones is just good. You can't, why can't? Why is everybody having such a hard time wrapping their head around that possibility? I'm not saying it's for sure, but it, it's possible. I think there's a couple of things. One, everybody always, you know, defaults to their pre-draft evaluation until like proven right. otherwise again and again and again. They don't want to take an L. They don't want to take an L. Don't want to take an L. And I think part of why Mac Jones was so disregarded in the pre-draft evaluations is because there was all the rumors that he was going to go third overall to the or is it was the third overall to the to the yep, Kyle Shanahan Forty Nineers? Yeah, yep, exactly. Yep, yep. So. And that would have been aggressive, right? Like, I don't think you could take a quarterback like Mac Jones third overall, because when you have Trey Lance there, when you have Justin Fields, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so there was like people like double counted that, which, by the way, that didn't even happen. Like that that, that was right. it didn't happen. Yeah, so who, who, why are we still you know, like, counting that against him? And I also think it's because and this is I'm talking on both sides of my mouth here because it's part of why I don't think you could take him third overall, Mac Jones, but he's not really the prototype archetype of quarterback that you want in the NFL right now. But right. I agree. I think that you can design an offense where he's that like Philip Rivers type point guard, you know, that gets the ball out to a variety of different weapons. And I mean, if if you think Mac Jones is going to be pretty good or going to take a step, even if there's a lot working against him. And, and I would, I just wish that they didn't have Matt Patricia as their offensive coordinator, right? Like if they had a real offensive coordinator, I'd right. feel so much better about everything I'm saying. But if you think Mac Jones is going to be pretty good in his second year, you're so right, Frank, you can really pluck off big values at the pass catcher position. They don't have a single pass catcher going in the top 130 picks right now in ADP. I mean, Jacoby Myers is free right now. Free. Like he is free. Like you, you know, the guys who are going around him in drafts are like, okay, well, why would I take this guy? Whereas Jacoby Myers could be, if he could finally have a decent touchdown season, I don't think he's got some fatal flaw where he can't score. I just think no. it hasn't happened. He could be great value. Same with Devontae Parker. Yeah, par- I mean Kendrick yeah. Bourne, like two hundred seventy-eight overall. Bourne's right getting now. a lot of good, good buzz. Yeah, he's getting like a lot of good buzz in camp. Yeah, and he's a he's a deep guy for me. I just took him, I think, twentieth round of a best ball. Why not? Oh, yeah. I mean, this off everybody. And that's the thing. It's not. It's not that I think the Patriots are going to be a top five offense because I really don't. But it's that everybody has jumped ship on the Patriots now. Everybody thinks they're going to be the worst offense in the league if you listen to some people. And that's that's when you swoop in and you say, Mm-mm, they're not that bad. There's an overreaction here, and I could profit off it. Hunter Henry scored all those touchdowns last year. He's going as like tight end 20 in consensus ADP. So <laughs> Nobody likes him. I don't we, like him either. Yeah, yeah, it's like whatever. I don't think he's going to score those touchdowns again with, with the amount of wide receivers that they have there. But yeah, I, I'm a big Jacoby Myers fan. And even Tyquan Thornton, their rookie receiver, like might, he's looked good. He's, he's looked good. good. And it might all be, I think all of these guys are role players, but they fit really well within their roles. Like Tyquan Thornton, if he can make an impact as a rookie, it just like as a speed guy, I think that's going to, I might push Nelson Aguilar off the roster. You know, he might be a guy that they trade close to, you know, close to close to the the, the roster cut time. So yeah, I think there's some reason to kind of feel like the Patriots offense is a little underrated, or at least can be values for fantasy. Um, yeah, absolutely. All right, Frank and I are going to come back and talk about more under the radar storylines right after this break. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. 
BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, Frank, I want to talk about this because the first week of preseason, you know, we had a lot of, as I said, you know, some first team, second team counting with the um, with the Chiefs wide receivers. We talked about it on the show with Scott a couple episodes ago that, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, who is a guy that I'm buying in on getting this, the quarterback upgrade, the scheme upgrade, everything like that as a potential um, value in fantasy this year plays hundred percent of the snaps of the first team MVS plays uh nine I think nine of 11 snaps with the Patrick Mahomes group McCole Hardman who by the way as we're taping this a couple hours ago he was carted off the field at practice so keep an eye on that and Sky Moore was not a guy who really rotated with that first team group but so that's one thing I think Sky Moore could be um, sort of like you said up at the top, Amon Ross St. Brown, a rookie receiver who gets the post by rookie bump and starts escalating in the second half of the year, even if you don't draft him. But I think we're kind of underselling the whole time. I'm counting like where these guys are lining up in the, in the first team. Like they're not really playing the chiefs, your typical spread type offense. Did you think they had like condensed formation, 21 personnel, a lot of 21. Yeah. yeah fullbacks on the field. Um, you know, even Travis Kelsey, like, kind of rotating a little bit um it, it, out there you know he was he wasn't out there like juju 100 percent of the snaps so and i'm not i'm not gonna like kill kelsey for that or anything i think kelsey will still be great but could we be kind of underselling a full-blown identity shift from uh the chiefs here in the post tyree kill world and, and it could happen and maybe just andy wants to get to his passing game in a different way yeah and he thinks his best because he's an old school guy like he came up you know in the 90s with the on a packer staff and then obviously all those years with the eagles so he does things in a bit i don't say old school but old school ish he's he's adapted for sure but he still has that where he, he's not going to be the one that that totally dismisses the fullback i mean they've had fullbacks play through the years and i could see them having a little bit more of a conventional, like a lot of 21 personnel, not a lot of three receivers, maybe because he just doesn't trust that third receiver spot. Sure. I, I'm not a big Nicole guy. I haven't been this whole, and he could be hurt when, who knows? And maybe at some point, Sky Moore just forces him to change it. Okay. We're going to, we're going to go back to 11 personnel, play three receivers and all that kind of stuff. But I think right now it doesn't, it does. It, it's, it's, it's a little surprising to see the fullback on the field that often yeah, in the yeah. first preseason game, but it could be a side of things to come because, again, Andy is a, a he's he's been in the league a long time. Now, let me ask you something because I do because I brought this up before this phrase. Does it bother not bother you, but does it sneak into your mind at all? Because I think you're big on Juju this year. I cannot get past. They paid MVS ten million per year. They paid Juju Smith-Schuster one year three point two five million. Money talks in the NFL. That's how they thought of these two guys. Does that does that enter your thought process at all? Because I'll be honest, it has for me. I, I agree. I've thought about it as well. Um, I think that with the MVS thing, he they can get out of his contract this year. Like there is an out where they can sure. after this year. Yeah. So it's, it's funny money. Yeah, it could yeah, essentially yeah, just be that. a one year deal for both of these guys. Um, I think they're just going to play entirely different roles. I think they really like MVS because like he kind of blocks his ass off. Um, like Juju's a pretty decent blocker too as a receiver. Like he'll get out there and lay the wood. And um, again, this might just be sort of in this whole philosophical shift that they're uh, maybe CEH is as nobody wants to say CEH is, is a winner of the preseason, but maybe he's a winner of the preseason. Yeah, um, could be. I agree. I've thought about that. Um, I just think that one of these guys, you know, in terms of MVS is going to be more, I just can't, I, I don't, I just think he's a limited player. Maybe I'm defaulting to my own evaluation, but yeah, I think that both of these, like if, in terms of a role, his role is going to be super important MVS to the team, but I don't think in terms of fantasy, it's going to show up as much from a production angle, but the way he's going to dictate coverages, stretch the field and block as the X receiver is going to be really important. But I just love Juju as like that flanker slot hybrid for this team, a zone beating guy. And I just think from a target perspective, it's going to be there more than MVS, but you're right. Sure. It's good to bring how, that how up. many catches, how many catches for each? Just give me, I won't hold you to it, but how many catches for Juju? How many catches for MVS? I mean, I could pull up my actual projections here, uh, but I, okay. I, I, I'm interested. Yeah. I'm really interested to hear. Okay, well, let me do it then. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> and maybe I can fill it. Because I, I, I've warmed to Juju. The contract threw me off for a long time. I said, $3.25 million is really not much in the NFL. That is like, all right, whatever. We'll, we'll let you compete. Like, that's about it. It's not a 
you're our number one receiver with our Hall of Fame quarterback type of contract. So I'll be honest, it threw me off for a long time, but I'm warming up to Juju being a pretty high volume guy and a great offense. Yeah, I've got it right now. I've got 89 catches for Juju um, as the second guy on the team, second in targets, all that stuff. I've got, uh, and I've got Marquez Valdez scaling at 54. Um, but okay, I was going to say 80-50. Yeah, yeah, so we're pretty close to that. Yeah, so we're pretty close. And and I have um, I have Sky Moore with the uh, ahead of uh, MVS and catches. But um, pretty close in yards, obviously, just projecting uh, the role there. And again, like the eventual ascension of Sky Moore. So, yes, uh, we'll, we'll get there with, with those guys. I want to talk about this, Frank, because I feel like you're the right guy to talk about this with. It came up with Andy um, a couple of shows ago. Should we be talking? Should we be talking about this Tom Brady thing a little more? Like he's ta- I-, I Googled it this morning to, to think about putting it on the outline. You know, it comes up like. And I am not here to I'm not here to speculate on anybody's marriage or stuff like that. But people are out there, you know, speculating on that stuff um, like that, that, that he needed to take this time away to, like, go deal with stuff at home. Um, Peter King, I saw a note from him said, I think I feel really strongly about this Tom Brady deal about taking day- 10 days off for a personal matter in the middle of training camp. Very strongly. Brady has so much currency in the bank with coaches and teams regarding dedication to the job and devotion to his craft that when he comes to the Bucks and says, he needs 10 days away. My response would be take more if you need it. And I, I support that, right? That's totally fine. Um, you know, you've got freaking everybody's uh, favorite uh, Antonio Brown calling, <laughs> calling Tom Brady out for taking time away, which is hilarious. Maybe he um, was able to take a break from watching Jesus play at the Red Rocks uh, to, to make that statement. <laughs> yeah, it's a 20 minutes from my house, man. I can go see Jesus tonight, maybe. We'll have to see uh, if he's doing Well, listen, you, might, you better better get those tickets well in advance, Frank. I mean, come on. Uh, that's a big show. <laughs> Anyways, you know, I think there's a chance he's just back and it's whatever, but they are breaking in a lot of new pieces here on this Bucks team, right? Like, they're, they're breaking in Russell Gage, who's been kind of in and out in training camp. You know, Mike Evans been in and out in training camp. Not that the, that connection needs any any juicing, but, you know, they just brought in Julio Jones. Like, it'd be great if him and Brady were getting reps together. Should we be talking about this Brady absence or should we just not care about it? It's for one, it's very weird. Let's let's put it out there. Anybody who thinks that is no big deal. It, it's kind of a big deal just because it's so strange. Now, I do agree with what Peter wrote in that. Look. Nobody's questioning Tom Brady. He's one of the most respected guys in the NFL. Nobody on that Bucks team is like, where's Tom Brady? Screw that. No, they, they know he's going to be ready. But I'll say something. And I've used this term before that once you start thinking about retiring from the NFL, you're already retired. Right. And I, I've, it's not fully true. Like Gronk, Gronk came back. It was great. I, I get it. But I think it speaks to a lot of times you need to be all in if you're an NFL player. If you start, your mind starts wandering. It's usually not a good thing. And so I've just wondered, look, 45 years of age, we're the only the only player in NFL history who's thrown any passes at age 45 or older is George Blander. He completed, I believe, seven out of 17 passes after his age 45 birthday. We are in totally new ground with Tom Brady. And I get he's a freak and the greatest, quote unquote, old athlete of all time, all that kind of stuff. But you get the combination of that, the combination of I'm leaving in the middle of camp for two weeks for whatever reason. I'm sure it's a good reason. I, I'm not trying to question that, but and I'm not saying he's not even dedicated to this but once you go from 100 on the competitiveness scale as tom brady does to 90 uh, does that affect him i don't know i I just it's it's worrisome to me i'll say that and look i've been fading tom brady for the last five years based on this age (laughs) model and i've been losing a lot of money on it i get it tom you're gonna gonna have 45 touchdowns again great but i don't know it's it's troubling to me a little bit in that maybe it's just it's hard it's what does tom brady have to prove i've said often like as weird as this sounds on the surface, winning an eighth Super Bowl does nothing for his legacy. Either you think he's the greatest quarterback of all time right now, or you never will. One of the two. And eight, you, nobody is sitting there saying, mm, I really need to see an eighth title out of Tom Brady to move him up to my number one. Like, he's already set that way. So I know he wants to win again, and it'd be great. But what's he playing for? He's the greatest of all time. Or some people who just hate on him for no reason never think he will be. So I don't know. I, I, I do worry about that edge being lost just enough that combine that with the age, all of a sudden he's kind of not the same guy. And that that would bump everybody in that Buccaneers offense down. It would bump them down as a team as far as Super Bowl futures, team, team win totals, all that kind of stuff. So I've, look, I'll, I've already bet the Dallas Cowboys week one. But when I heard about this, yeah. I'm like, just in case. Because if he doesn't come back, the Dallas Cowboys are eight-point favorites. <laughs> Opening day, whatever they're going to be. I, I've already bet the Cowboys because I liked them anyway. And this absence, it, it, it's, it's a little alarming, let's put it that way. It's just weird. 
I think it's, it's weird. weird. I've it's, never it's, heard of something like this that I can remember, really. No. Just a guy saying, like, I just need some time off. Like, uh, I, I don't remember anything like that happening before. I mean, the only thing that comes to mind is Calvin Ridley last year. And guess what? <laughs> right. Calvin Ridley never yeah. came back. Yeah. And obviously he's you know suspended now for gambling, which is a whole nother topic. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like there it's just weird. It's bizarre. Um, I here's the thing, though, Frank, like the Bucks probably could sit there and say, you know what, Brady, take a couple weeks off, come back a little rusty. We could probably still moonwalk to a division title. I think they, they might bet that. And I think they might win that bet. But you're right. From a fantasy angle, I mean, shoot, I got Mike Evans. I finally moved C. Lamb ahead of Mike Evans at my fifth wide receiver spot. But I had Mike. I've got Mike Evans as a clear go as a second round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, a favorite second round pick of mine too. Yep. And uh, Leonard Fournette, second round pick, one of my favorites. Um, I like drafting Brady when he falls below like the mobile quarterback type guys because I think he can still throw a ton of touchdowns here. But man, I mean. It's just they could get off to a slow start. It could affect these players from a statistical perspective. They could go under their projected win total um, if Brady comes back and like he's you know, takes a little bit of time to to click with all of these guys. Like Chris Godwin's gonna probably not be ready to to rock right at week one. So Bucks just feel like a weird team to me. I I, I still haven't decided if I want to move anybody in fantasy because of this. I don't even know if I like it might not matter at all. Like he might come back at the ten days. And, right. I- yeah, like yeah, I, I think that there's an absolute possibility where we're sitting here in December saying, "Wait, Tom Brady was gone during training camp." Oh, I forgot that because he's got 40 touchdowns right now. Like, yeah, exactly. That's that's what I guess. If if you ask me, what do you think is going to happen? Tom Brady has a normal season, or Tom Brady has like some like weird like I'm not going to be there in September. He's going to have a normal season. He's going to be Tom Brady. He's going to be great. But it's not a zero percent chance anymore that all this weirdness is. We're not taking. We're not looking enough into it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, exactly. Like the greatest player in the history of the sport was just implicated in a giant, like, you know, tampering thing. And I mean, he's not getting punched for it, but just a lot of weirdness, a lot of weird, weird offseason for for Tom Brady. That's for sure. Um, last thing before we move on to the Dolphins, um, you wanted to talk about the shiny new toy syndrome in preseason um, as something that we don't discuss enough. And I think this is a good one because you know, a couple of the examples that you gave Alan Lazard, is he getting more gettable, you know, now that Romeo Dobbs, the rookie, is rocketing up draft boards and you know him and Aaron Rodgers are having lunch together, all that good stuff. <laughs> you know, how about Deontay and Chase Claypool or Pat Fryermuth? Yeah. Are they a better pivot with the Pickens hype, you know, in full rage? Like, I think these are interesting talking points. Which one do you want to jump on to here? It's like, do we are we forgetting boring veterans with the with the rookies rising up? Right. Because I do want to get to the Dolphins. I won't spend long with this, but I think Lazard is the number one guy for me where everybody's on Romeo. I'm going to call him Dubs. Is that okay? Can I mispronounce a guy's name? Into- it's just so so cooler. Like, it's like, Romeo Dubs, Dubs is cooler. That's yeah. so Dubs is Dubs. cooler. So I'm not, if, I, if I've mispronounced that the entire year, it's, it's, it's a bad meaning to do so. But everybody's talking about Romeo Dobbs, how he you know scored the touchdown. He could have scored two back-to-back plays, oh, basically, yeah. almost in the first. I mean, Jordan Love just missed him on the first one. He had a great move to get open deep. He looks good. All the drum beat. But who's the guy all offseason? Who Aaron Rodgers was like, this is a number one guy. This is this is a new number one guy. This isn't that hasn't changed, I don't think. And it, it, Lazard was a guy early in his career who Aaron Rodgers went to the coaching staff was like, get him on the field more. I like Alan Lazard. But now we're all we're all over here. We're all talking about Romeo, right? We're all in love with Romeo. No pun intended. Yeah, actually, those are pun intended. <laughs> but we're all in love with Romeo. He's moving up. I'm just c- coming in and grabbing Lazard. We don't know what Romeo is. Romeo Dobbs is going to be during the season. He's a rookie. He's never played at this level. He go, he could have a, I have a, you know, I've had him stashed in a couple leagues already because yeah, he could blow up. He could be what we thought Christian Walker might be, I guess. But I think the one bankable guy in this offense with a back-to-back MVP is Alan Lazard and his floor is still very, very low with the possibility of him being a, maybe a double digit touchdown guy. Yeah. And in the back, and he's more gettable now. He's much more gettable now. I think he's, I think he's moving down with Dubs moving up. Yeah. And he was a guy that you know, Andy and I have talked about our, di- the difference in rankings for us. Like, I've come up from the real low ranking I had Lazard, but Andy's had him, you know, sort of in around that wide receiver 33 area. I think like the gap needs to kind of close a little bit there. Um, So it's a good one to mention. I mean, Romeo Dobbs, man. Yeah. By the way, in the background of all this, Aaron Rodgers is like ripped the um, (laughs) like ripped the receivers publicly, like just in recent (laughs) weeks, which is classic Aaron Rodgers. Um, Classic Aaron Rodgers. All right. Let's talk Dolphins, Frank. Um, Let's do it. This team. I mean, there's again, messy headlines with the whole tampering thing, but they are a team that is in 
a huge transition, but still have a couple of guys in Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle that fantasy managers are drafting highly. Floor is yours, buddy. Where you want to go with the Dolphins? I am. I, I think we have to start with the receivers because I think if you can figure this out, if you if you take a stand on these guys, you get real. Like these are second, third round picks. We're talking Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. Maybe Jalen's. What's his What's his ADP at these days? Is he early four? I mean, he, he's still he's, the, you know, he's still he's, pretty aggressively ranked, like wide receiver 14, 40th overall. So he's kind of mm-hmm. in the th- around that third uh, okay, in the third yeah. round, fourth round turn. Yeah, I always see him and I always pass because I'm like. Yeah. All right. He he had a ton of targets last year as the only guy. And as we talked about just a little bit ago, the Dolphins didn't bring in Tyreek Hill to have him kind of be a 1A, 1B type of guy. They paid a lot for him, like more than more than the Raiders really paid for Devontae or anybody, A.J. Brown. They paid the most for any receiver this offseason in terms of contract and draft capital. There, he, He's going to get his. He's first in the pecking order. And I don't think a tool-led offense with a suspect Offensive line, especially on the right side, they've done pretty good to fix the left side. But half of their offensive line isn't very good. I, I don't know that that it can support two ninety catch guys. I just yeah. don't. I think I think Tyreek gets gets his, and I. But I think he takes a step back because you go from look, you go from Patrick Mahomes to 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 a take tongue of Iloa. It's, it's a step down. It, there's no obvious. We all know that. But I think a guy really gets affected here is Jalen Waddle. But he's a very good player. Look, I mean. There's a, you don't just step into the NFL, catch 104 passes and be a guy like mm-hmm. you're, you're pretty good. Yeah, he's, he's obviously incredibly fast, but I don't know. I just don't see how Tua can support two of these guys, not to mention like Mike Gusecki totally off my list. I will not draft him anywhere. Oh, yeah, I think yeah, like his yeah, usage yeah. in week one, he's totally done. So I think the only two viable guys until we get to the running backs and we'll try to sort that out. But <laughs> in a passing game, Tyreek. I, I'm not excited to draft him, but he's coming at a value now where it's like, OK, I, I can see it. But Waddle's the guy who I think I'm just going to totally fade at his current cost. Yeah, okay. So among wide receivers in ADP right now, there's three duos in the top 20 wide receivers overall. There's um, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Their quarterback is Tua. Then there is um, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Their quarterback is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. <laughs> then there's uh, yeah. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Their quarterback is yeah. Justin Herbert. Yeah. All just guys... missing out is cu- just missing out is Cup and Robinson. Right. And yeah. Their quarterback is, is Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford. Like, yeah, the yeah. first three, though, which ironically, all these guys were drafted the same year. Um, but one of these things definitely doesn't look like the other in terms of the provenness right. of Tua. <laughs> and I think that's where I get tripped up about this. I feel like Jalen Waddle at wide receiver 14 would have been a big green light for me. If the Tyreek Hill trade had never happened, it almost feels, absolutely, yes, absolutely, yep. it feels like that this is but the Tyreek Hill, who is a top five real life NFL receiver, regardless of what you think about his fit with Tua, and I think we're you and I are both skeptical on that at, at best. Uh, that that like he's going to command targets. He's going to command, I think, the alpha target share in this offense, just because I think Jalen Waddle is a good player, and I think Tyreek Hill is a elite player you know there's a gap yeah, i agree there. i totally agree with you i agree there's a gap and, yeah and how many targets are there to go around you're not you're not dropping back to a 40 times a game no. unless unless you're losing 21 nothing to the bills i mean then it happens but they're and mike plan, mcdaniel mike comes McDaniel, from yeah. yeah he comes from the uh, yes he goes to the shanantry where he wants to run it like that's this just to me look if waddle was down receiver 20 something yeah sure why not but it's just too rich for my blood there's other guys going around that area that i'm drafting more proactively ahead of Jalen waddle i i get the talents there i, I like him like you said if there's no tyreek here tyreek you know i'm not wishing anything on him but he was done for the year tomorrow okay I, I'm, I'm in on Jalen waddle at this point maybe even late second round but i just i just don't see how they, they can support two different receivers and and by the way, the, the, it's always we we keep saying the same things about both guys too. Oh yeah, Tua can't get it down the field, but this guy is going to be like a Debo type, where you get him the ball real quick and he does things. That you're talking the same thing about both guys. Exactly, that, that's yeah. not going to happen if yeah. if there's a choice. Mike McDaniel scheming for Tyreek Hill to get these touches, not Jalen Waddle. And so I just think the volume goes way way down for Jalen. And he didn't look for. We all focus on the catches because it was a record and all that kind of stuff. Beat Anquan Bolden, I believe, his rookie record, but. 
he didn't do much. Like he averaged 8.9, I believe, per catch at a really low A dot. It wasn't like he was just blazing up and down the field and you're getting some you know, a lot of efficiency type of stuff. You need volume if Waddle's going to play the same kind of role. And I don't think Tua's going to change his game to where you're exactly. just lobbing 40 yard passes to Waddle. So I'm just out. You got to, you have to, that's the thing, Matt. And I think you agree with me on this. Sometimes you're going to be wrong on guys you're out on. Yeah. Like you, you, but. I think it's important to be like, I am out on this guy. I'm just not drafting him at his cost. Sure, if, if I Jalen Waddle's there in the fifth round, sure. Okay, oh, sure, I get yeah. it. Yeah, he slept. But current cost, I'm thinking about realistically, current cost in the leagues I play in, I could cross certain guys off my list and it allows me to focus on the guys I do like. And for me, Waddle, he might burn me. He might catch 100 again, but he's a, he's a stay away guy for me. 100%. Um, and I think that you're so right to say, to bring up uh, Jalen Waddle's role last year. I don't. I think a lot of those stats are all Tua stats, but Tua is still the quarterback, right? Like if right, nothing. <laughs> yeah. The offensive coach has changed, but I know that Mike Mike McDaniel comes from a team that like get rid of the ball quickly. Getting I mean, Jimmy quickly, had the lowest A dot every year after year after year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't think the offense changes. I don't think Tua changes. What what changes other than Tyreek Hill is there to suck up. 100, how, 140 targets like he's got to he's Tyreek Hill and you just traded multiple picks that gave him a hundred some million dollars like it's it's going to be the Tyreek Hill show there not the Jalen Waddle show and Frank like Tua launching balls you know um in training camp in like a good pocket you know um it, w- without much contact like without much pass rush means nothing to me the question is not can Tua throw the ball far he could throw the ball far. It's can he yeah, do yeah. it? He's an NFL quarterback. Yeah. In a chaotic situation, right. you know, can he do it off platform? That type of stuff. I think that's where we have questions. My now, compa- maybe Matt. Maybe I think one thing. I, I always cut you off, and I'm sorry. No, about no, that, no. But I think one thing. It. One one factor. I, I will say, Toronto Armstead on the left side of the line does big deal that side. Big deal. And then all of a sudden, Mike McDaniel, a very smart guy by all means. He could say, okay, I need to help the right side. I can chip. I can, we can set up more seven step drop play action stuff because we know our left tackle can hold up now. We paid that guy a ton of money to be a top five left tackle. He is that. So maybe that helps Tua throw deep a little bit more where he had no line in front of him last year. Like he, he was getting pounded if they ever tried throwing deep. So maybe that change, maybe that's a change, but I just don't see it in a style of play. I don't think he's that dude. I agree with you. And um, I also look at it uh, from, a standpoint of uh, Tua as as a player, I actually compared him to. <laughs> I know this seems like a, a a funny comparison, but like I compared him to Andy Dalton, a guy, and I, I know Andy Dalton has become a meme now at this point. Um, <laughs> you know, thanks to the Bears on that one with the QB one thing, but you know, Andy Dalton at the height of his powers that like 2013, uh, like that sort of playoff run was that 2013 with they that they went to the playoffs and then uh, like when he had a really good fantasy season, something like that. Let me, that's somewhere in there yeah let me yeah. let me actually the good old days yeah i'm because I mean, andy andy's had a nice andy had a nice run there for a while i think he made three pro bowls maybe four even and some of those were replaced yeah, or whatever. yeah. but andy had, andy had a nice run and look if it's it sucks for tua that he was drafted ahead of herbert if herbert goes five and tua goes six i think we have an entirely different outlook on tua tongue of iloa we we don't hold him to the standard of justin herbert where Tua could be a, a solid NFL quarterback. He's 24 years old. He was a top five pick. He has 21 career starts. Like, I, I'm not giving up on him, but I have to make decisions when it comes to fantasy draft time. And my decision is I'm not really all in on Tua supporting 2,000-yard receivers in this offense. Yeah, Andy Dalton in 2013. And again, this was in like a best-case scenario where they had a bunch of dudes at every level, right? They, they had, had like dudes, they, yeah. had they had AJ. Team, yeah. They had AJ Green. They had a good offensive line. DJ Hushansada, right? Yeah, no, I think that was. I think they had. I think or they was had he transitioned to like Marvin Jones, who had had a good year in 2013. Mm. Marvin Jones mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like they had uh, Muhammad Sanu as a slot receiver who was playing pretty well then. Yeah, Hush was um, more Carson Palmer. Guy, yeah, 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 and they had uh, a good running game, and they had Tyler Eifert at tight end when Tyler Eifert was like a freak. Oh show. yes, and, and yes, in, he was really good for a couple years at Notre Dame. Yeah, right, and that. So I think that's my point with Tua is that like in an all things are perfect scenario, he can be good. Like he can he can be a guy who gets your gets your players production like AJ Green in 2013 was a top five fantasy wide receiver. Marvin Jones. But Marvin Jones was, you know, wide receiver 25. So that's I think the thing here is that if Jalen Waddle is going to hit that ADP and I mean, even if Tyree Kill is going to hit like a top 10 ADP, it some everybody else is going to have to be kind of a net zero in this offense, which is possible, but they did pay Cedric Wilson a decent free agent deal. 
I don't know what the F's going on with Mike Gusecki. I agree with you. Like he's on the straight up don't draft list. Like it doesn't matter where he don't don't right. do it. There's a, don't a lot of tight ends. David Njoku over Gusecki all oh, day. A billion, like, no a, bi- a billion, yeah, a billion percent. times over. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think that's the thing. If Jalen Waddle's going to hit his ADP, Tyree Kill's not going to hit his, and everybody else here is going to have to be a straight zero. And I just have a tough time believing in that. And yeah. I hate the math is hard. The, the math, math is hard. you can't. Yeah. You just can't make the math work. And I hate it because I love Jalen Waddle as a player who is number one yeah. in success rate versus man coverage and reception perception among the prospects that came out that year <sighs> so it sucks but all right frank before yeah. we wrap up here backfield gotta talk about it gotta talk i'm about confused it. <laughs> I, I i'm of a pass i i know a lot of people are kind of on the chase Edmonds train i get it like look again money talks in the nfl they gave him 12 million over two years that's legit running back money like yeah. that is that's an okay contract for a running back he has a nice multiple skill set uh you know, we all f- fell in love with him and, and what's he going to do with the Cardinals? It never kind of happened, but he still has that skill set. But it's just so crowded over there. But I keep I keep going back and forth because Mike McDaniel, he, he's from the Shanahan tree. The Shanahan's know how to run the ball. Trust me, I covered Mike for many, many years. They could turn anybody into a star running back. So I just think it's going to be too split up in this backfield to have any value week to week basis. Uh, Raheem Mostert's one of those guys where if he's healthy, he's he's good. He's yeah. a good running back if he's healthy. And it might only be for five games, but that, if those five games are going to sap the value out of Chase Edmonds, I think. so. Well, last year was I, like five I plays, so. Right, I know. That was crazy. Um, I, I'm kind of out on all these guys because at the, the spot Chase Edmonds goes, which I believe is eighth round, I'm more into the, the high-end uh, backups. You know, and I don't want to call them handcuffs because I'm not handcuffing guys, but, you know, I'm taking the the – Again, the Tony Pollards of the world or whoever, even Damian Pierce, I'd, I'd rather take in that spot because I could see a easier path for him to be the number one guy where I just it's hard for me to believe that we're looking up at some point and Chase Edmonds has two thirds of the snaps. It's just I just can't get myself there with him. Let me give the other case for Chase Edmonds. Sure. I actually have. I, I want to hear it because I, I'm, I'm more than willing to be talked into this. He's running back 33 in consensus ADP. I have him at running back 28. So it's a few spots ahead. Um, and I do think it kind of depends on the build of your team. Like if you, if you take two or three running backs before the Chase Edmonds range, you don't need to be taking Chase Edmonds. Cause I don't think the upside there is outrageous, but if you've only, if you've taken that sort of hero running back anchor running back approach, whatever the hell people are calling it nowadays, um, where you've taken one guy and you kind of want to get a, a floor play at that RB two spot because you've loaded up at breakout wide receiver, you've loaded up at established wide receiver, whatever. I think Chase Edmonds kind of fits there. Cause you know, I look at this depth chart and it's like, I don't think Sony Michelle is really going to move the needle there. I don't think Miles Gaskin is going to like really make the team. And Raheem Mostert is, you know, uh, a rocky bet, as we've said. He's he's a guy who is going to be tough to trust to stay healthy for any significant amount of time. I don't mind taking a super late round flyer on Raheem Mostert because those five games that you mentioned, they could be pretty cool. They could be pretty beautiful. <laughs> but they paid Chase Edmonds, like you said. And he was like the first signing of free agency. You know, when we're all anchored mm-hmm, down to mm-hmm. do like our free agency coverage – um, and you know, we're just ready to fire off takes. Frank, I wasn't expecting like the first thing to come off the news wires. <laughs> sign Chase Edmonds. Hey, Chase Edmonds. What? Huh? And I Waiting think all off season to sign him. Yeah, exactly. I do think his pass catching profile helps as well from a fantasy angle. Um, sure. I think that it, it fits well with Tua. And if this running scheme is going to work, the most obvious beneficiary is going to be Chase Edmonds. So I tend to think that he can be a guy who gives you more of a floor, not a delicious ceiling, anything like that. Like you said, Tony Pollard, those guys, uh, even yeah, like Ramondre no. Stevenson, I'd rather draft those And those players. are the guys I'm drafting in that spot, yeah, because I, I can see the ceiling where I can't see it for Edmonds. Where You're right, if, if you do a hero running back and you need some kind of floor, I, I get it at least, but I still would be swinging for the fences. I The whole point of hero running back is you, you need to hit hard on a, a mid-round running back or a waiver wire running back, which isn't easy. Yeah, like everybody, easy. everybody likes to say, zero running back's easy. Just take whoever you want off the waiver wire. No, that, that ain't how leagues work. Like, unless you're playing wiffle ball leagues. Exactly. And then you don't need to use any strategy. You just go there and win your league. But I, I, I still, no, no matter the format, really, I'm just passing on Edmonds because there's other guys there who I can say, if this happens, this reasonable scenario happens, I have a top 10 guy, top 15 guy, whatever. Whereas I just can't get myself there with Chase Edmonds. I see more of, look, I think even when when Raheem Mostert gets hurt, he probably will, unfortunately. 
I think Sonny Michelle just becomes this year's James Conner to, mm. to Chase Edmonds. Not in production. I'm not saying Sonny Michelle has like James Conner upside to him, but yeah. just in the fact that Chase Edmonds owners are going to be like, really? Sonny Michelle got, got <laughs> 19 carries today and Chase Edmonds was just a third down back. That's all. I, I just, I just see it being a frustrating situation all year for Chase Edmonds owners where I, I think the, I, I honestly like I, I I will fight back a little bit and say I, I think his floor is a little bit lower than than you're kind of crediting for because if he's just kind of your pass catching guy who gets a few carries a game because you trust Sonny Michelle more as the James Conner in between the tackles guy w- the floor is pretty low for Chase yeah, Edmonds at that point if that's he's not true. scoring touchdowns if again this offense has how is Tua gonna we're, we're talking about Tua not being able to get the ball to Tyreek and uh you know uh Jalen Waddle? How's he gonna also you know support a 70 catch running back or something like that? So I, I just think the floor is there for Edmonds. I don't see the ceiling. I probably won't be drafting him, but at a certain point, I mean if if, if all those guys who we've talked about, those high impl- those high ceiling backup type of plays are all gone and Chase Evans is still there, I get it. I understand it. I might draft him here or there, but I can't see myself proactively doing it. Yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm at, too, is that he's not a proactive pick, but he is a pick I've made a few times. So that's why I think it's, a, it's important to kind of talk about some of the, the I mean, the, you're right. The, the upside is, uh, what, is he going to be running back 20 in a Best best probably, case yeah. scenario. Best, best case, unless yeah. and again, I like the player. I do. I like Chase Edmonds, and I was all about uh, all about him. And I hear a lot of people talking about him this time of year and how they're scooping up Chase Edmonds because he's a good value. And I get it. I do. I understand that it's just not a it's just not a player I'm going to be taking. And again, you have to be will- like with all these things. Would you take a stand on any guys? You have to be willing to be wrong. Like Chase Edmonds might end up being a really really good back you're getting in the eighth round, but. You have to be willing to be wrong sometimes. I'm willing to be wrong on him because I just personally have a tough time doing the math to get to the upside. Yeah, I think the the theme of our Dolphins preview and the theme of the Dolphins this year is that it's tough to make the math work with these guys. Um, unless, it did, it did. unless Tua takes a massive step forward, um, we'll see. What do you think about Tua as a QB2? Like, real quick before we get out of here. Don't, Super don't care. I don't care. I no, mean, I just no, think from, yeah, 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 I think for me, if I'm... I, I think like there's two a, or Trevor Lawrence. You'd go Trevor. Lawrence, oh, Trevor right? Lawrence. They're that's what, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. Right. Yeah, from like too. a, from a QB two perspective in a super flex league, like I would definitely rather have uh Trevor Lawrence, Kirk cousins, even oh, I mean, easily cousins, yeah. I, even yeah. Daniel Jones, I like cousins a lot, actually, even Daniel, yeah, even Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones like, I think, yeah, yeah. I think there's a chance that Daniel Jones uh, can get benched. Like we talked about the top of the show. I think there's a chance Tua can get benched. Like they didn't bring Teddy Bridgewater. They got Teddy. Yeah. Like a good, good backup money there. Um, I think two is in that, like, Matt Ryan range, you know, Carson Wentz range, Ryan Tannehill mm-hmm. range um, of guys. Where's that, more your three? Like if you're, yeah. if you're a guy like me and is nervous about a super flex, getting a third quarterback. All right. I could take you as my third quarterback instead of Carson Wentz. But yeah, I'm not, I, I would not like to go into a season with him as my QB two in a super flex. Exactly. I wouldn't feel comfortable if he was just my straight up QB two. That would, that would make, right. but I think he can maybe get by with it is, is kind of the way I'm at it. And the, the weapons are good, man. I mean, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek yeah. Hill, like, Shoot, that ain't no joke. That that could be that could be pretty good. So, uh, we shall see. A lot of transition with the Dolphins. A lot of transition potentially maybe to come with the Dolphins over the next couple of off seasons. Frank, thank you so much for doing this with me today. Tell the people where uh, they should listen to you and Charles at UPod to win the game. Yeah, I mean, we do that every Sunday night after the games. It's my, it's like one of the most fun hours I have every week because we are just like amped up on football. We talk about every game that went down, literally every game we run down it. Yeah, so you pod to win the game. Me and Charles always tweet that out. It's always tweeted out on the Yahoo site. So I'm at Yahoo Schwab on Twitter. You can always come tell me I'm an idiot for fading Chase Edmonds. That's fine. I don't think anybody's going to do that. I don't think anybody's going to do that. I just love talking ball. So uh, yeah, Yahoo Schwab is the easiest place to get me. And man, like I said at the top, I'm just excited. It's so too, man. It's, this tiny year is so fun because week week one, not to get out of tangent, week one of the NFL season is the most underrated day on the sports calendar. Everybody oh, yeah. talks about the first couple of days of March Madness or Super Bowl Sunday or this or that. Week one of the NFL season is so great because we get all the teams. Everything's new. Everybody's excited. Nobody's 0-1. It's, it's phenomenal. I can't wait. Exactly. Awesome. It's going to be fantastic. I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to listen to Frank and Charles chop it up. That's going to be like between you two. 
on that Sunday night recap and me and Scott on our Sunday night recap. Those are, that'll take that'll take a five hours of your life right there listening to, the, listen to those. There's podcasts. a lot of nerding out between the, between that point. Four There's major dorks out. that can talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk about football. So subscribe to both shows and you should be set. Your Monday should be set. Uh, so, all right. That's going to do it for us. Like Frank said, you can follow him on Twitter at Yahoo Schwab. You can follow me at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're there, please make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. Dalton, who was just on yesterday, is going to come burn the show down with his running backs that he's ahead or below consensus on. That's going to be electric. We also have to talk about damn Cleveland Brown, so uh, not going to be fun. Until then, we're out.